0: Welcome back to the one-to-one podcast, the post Lenten journey podcast with your priest on a mission, Father Dan Leary. I'm your host, Kevin Wells.
1: Father Dan, happy Easter. It's good to see you. Hey man, happy Easter, Kevin. Great to be with you folks. It's uh, it's great to have a chance to continue the journey with you. Awesome. Father, I, I hear you have a, a sidekick today. Is that, is that true? Yeah, I got a I got a partner in crime, Kevin. I asked Sister Margie to come on and talk a little bit about the the hope that she sees with the kids and Father Al. So I'm gonna step aside and let Sister share the powerful work of the sisters and Father Al. Very good. Thank you, Father.
0: Hello. <laughs> sister, it's my it's my friend Sister Margie. How
2: are you? How you been? I'm doing very well. Happy Easter to
0: all. Happy Easter, sister. So, sister, I'm gonna I'm gonna break the news to the viewers. You you uh out of the generosity of your heart, you you mentioned to Father Dan that you wanted to really in a certain way speak to the viewers of this podcast in America who responded to last Friday's the Good Friday podcast, where we were asking viewers to sponsor a sister. And I think Father Dan shared with you on Easter Monday, sister, you're not gonna believe it, all 12 sisters received a sponsor and and far more than that. So sister, I'm gonna let you take it away. I I know it was good news to you.
2: Yeah, I think that within two days that uh, we received the 12 sponsors already. Thank you so much. We are very grateful for the American generosity for our sister's program. And really it means a lot for us. We feel that when we learn from your generosity, we are more encouraged to be more generous in our place, in our time with our children. So thank you so much for helping us.
0: Uh, Yeah, sister, we have some good, we have some very generous viewers out there at the one-to-one podcast. So for for you viewers, I, I want to sort of get into unpack who Sister Margie is for a few minutes. You're going to be, I don't know if you're going to be overwhelmed, but you're going to be warmed by her story. Sister Margie right now, the woman you're looking at on this screen, uh, committed her life to the sisters of Mary many, many years ago. And a couple, a couple fun facts on Sister Margie. She was at Father Al's side while Father Al was suffering the ravages of Lou Gehrig's disease. So Sister Margie was one of Father Al's wing women, we'll put it, cared for him throughout all that time. So we're going to get into that a little bit, Sister. But also Sister Margie today, all these years later, she is the head of the North American sort of part of the Sisters of Mary. So that means America, Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, Brazil, sister margie is sort of the one she she has all these sisters and all these kids beneath her and she has to kind of run things and sister i'm going to start right here i asked you last may when we first met we hung out a lot we, we spent a lot of time in your gardens i said sister how do you do this you have a lot of you have tens more than ten thousand kids you have more than 100 sisters how do you do it and sister you won't remember your answer but you said kevin I must pray, and I said, "Sister, how much prayer?" You said, "Well, I try to pray four to six hours a day." So, sister, I'm going to start there with you. Sister, we're we're dying to hear. How do you pray?
2: How does one pray four to six hours a day? My prayer, t- my prayer life. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know that I am really convinced. Without prayer, our apostolic life cannot be continued. And that's the example of Father R that he did. He was so busy, but he never stopped to pray. So I am totally convinced that I have to pray more in order to help the sisters and children. So usually I do um, my morning prayer three hours from five to eight, uh, including our community prayer and mass. Before mass, I spend one hour and after mass, I am taking the adoration time because we have uh, adoration for whole morning. So first hour, I am taking that time. Um, meantime, the time. Meantime, our sisters are having breakfast and taking care of the children. So I can spend my three hours in the morning. And during the day, I am looking for some time. And in the evening, I can find two hours to pray. So mostly... Um, in average, I can pray five hours, maybe. And sometimes I'm including to prepare the catechism and class for the sisters. And also I, I attend some talks of father, so that are all included as a prayer. Yeah.
0: W- wonderful sister. And, and there, I imagine there's so much fruit for you who who has to manage so many cities and towns and sisters and children a lot of the fruits come from that prayer.
2: I hope so. And I, my goal is really to be united with God, not only being present in front of him, but really totally to be united with him and to understand more what God wants from us. And also, and sometimes I have inspiration while I am praying. I invite many people, uh, standing with me or just sitting with me in front of the Eucharist so it's amazing you know to spend time with uh, those who whom I know those who are suffering sisters and children even some benefactors and friends and graduates whoever i i I realize that they need our prayer I invite when I while I am making my adoration so the time passed very faster and it's a beautiful to be connected with with them during my prayer time
0: thank you sister two things i want to get into before we go to father dan um you're the new star of the show of the one to one podcast mm-hmm. you're you're more you're more, you're more famous now than madonna and kamala harris so you you understand now sister you're a big name in america now but but sister two things mm-hmm. please tell the viewer you spent very intimate time with a man on the path, the canonization in the Catholic church, Father Al Schwartz, please just tell us what he was like during those days when he was suffering so terribly from his wheelchair and from his bed and when he was helpless. What was he like back then?
2: Yeah, uh, gratefully I have been with him his last three years, very close to him to start this program in um, Latin America. And uh, what I remember and what I observed from Father R is, really he is a father. He he was sick, you know, he was suffering, but it doesn't matter because he was full of joy. He was full of hope. He was always thinking about um, the, the children who need our help and thinking about the sisters. So we spent um, three, three years with him, but we didn't shed years with him, but always we were thinking something forward, what we can do more. And he was very uh, uh, active. Physically, he was not, but then wh- when he was when he was talking with us, he was full of joy and full of hope, and continuously thinking, what can we do and what can you do, sister? Why I am not around? You can do this and you can do that. And then uh, one thing that he said to us that I will come back. Don't worry. I know. Oh, I know that you are very stupid and you need me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he said. <laughs> it's, he he had that sense of humor and he yes. has come back like father. The true father can say that kind of things to the daughter, because if he doesn't love us, he cannot tell us that words. <laughs> and we are we were not hurt. We were just laughing, and that's why <laughs> father, you have to come back. He said.
0: Sister, that's a fair point. That's the way dads talk to daughters they love. Yes. <laughs> uh, sister, I, I want to ask you this before I, before I let you go. Something very beautiful that, that is in my heart when I came down there happened. When I arrived in May, on the first day you said, Kevin, I'd like you to start praying for Sister Maria. Um, she fell off a golf cart delivering food. She hit the back of her head on the pavement, and her brain is bleeding. Yes. Um, it doesn't look good. She's in a coma. We don't know if she's going to make it. So all the sisters, everyone, all the children, they're praying for Sister Maria, but she needs a miracle. So every now and then I would see you throughout the week and and, you, and I'd say, how, Sister Maria, and now she's in a coma, keep praying. So I was there for two and a half weeks and I was getting ready to leave, catch my plane back to America. And you said, Kevin, I want you to meet me at one o'clock out in the garden. So I was out there waiting for you. And what do I see? I see you pushing Sister Maria in a wheelchair. And I said, who's this? Kevin, this is the one we've been praying for. It is a miracle of Father Al. Sister, the, I, I I broke down because with my own eyes, I saw someone who was thought to maybe die and she was advanced in age. Um, she's an elderly sister and here she is and prayers sister you believe you told me the prayers to father Al, the intercession brought her back to life sister could you speak to that because today's podcast is on hope it's on the uh, theological virtue of hope so please talk to the to the to the viewer about that moment and also about hope
2: yeah when it was really uh, very painful to see that one of our sisters especially she's elder sister and missionary sister She got an accident. Uh, We were very worried about her. But in the same time, we we knew that she will be recovering because she was a very good sister and her face is very deep. And sisters made great sacrifice for her and we prayed hard. And then many sisters from Korea too, they they were fasting for her recovery. And we all prayed to Father R to help her. And we know that she will be okay, although it was very dark until that she will be much better. No, so we had to spend very dark time uh, worrying, but in the in our heart we knew that she will be okay. So at the end, she really recovered, or and she's doing much better this time, and uh, she's very grateful with our prayer. and And also, there is another thing that I prayed to Father R to help her to recover fully because she has um, something more, uh, she can do more and she can help sisters, especially with her prayer because she's very prayerful. And she has special devotion to the divine mercy. So every three hours, uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, she she goes to the chapel to pray the chaplet. So I also tell to (laughs) divine mercy, I said, she has special devotion to you, and please help her, you know. And then yes, finally she was very fine. And when she left for Korea, she was asking a list of the um, list of the sisters' name with the pictures. So we printed all the names of the sisters from candidates and then to the uh, superior sister, and then with their names. And she was so happy holding that list. I said. I cannot do many other things, but when I go back to Korea, I daily will pray for each one of you. So with that attitude, I think all the sisters were so touched, and then we are continuously connected. She is uh, not physically missionary, but she is with us, working with us by her prayer.
1: I don't know if this is
2: enough for your question, because our internet connection is not really good, so... I'm hardly understanding your questions,
0: um. but Sister. We understood you perfectly. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that story. It was a miracle of Father Al. It was a miracle of fasting and prayer, and and what it brings. So thank you, Sister. And and we're going to keep trying to get your community sponsored by Americans. Um, we need another miracle, Sister. We've sponsored 12, but we need to we need to sponsor about 390 more sisters. So we'll keep praying for Father Rao
2: for more sponsorship. But thank you for joining us, sister. Yeah, thank you so much. And God bless you. And God bless everybody who are watching this video. Thank you. God bless you, sister.
1: Second string. Second string coming (laughs) in. Thanks, sister.
0: (laughs) Man, you beat me to it. Gave me to it. Hey, we love you too, Father Dan. Great, I, I needed that. So, so Father, uh, I love Sister Margie. Uh, it, it's it's so good to see you two together. Kind of, uh, yeah. let's let's get into the theme of the podcast, and that's hope. Um, and and Father, I, right off the bat, I want you to really address this. You know my sister Karen a little bit. She sent me a text this morning. She married the big Irishman, six foot six, Gordon Graham, and she got a text from Gordon's parents from Ireland today. And here's what it said: We spoke to Gordon's parents on Easter. They can't go to mass. What they're enduring there is heartbreaking. They're only they only are permitted to go to the grocery store um, since the day after Christmas. No one can drive more than two miles from their house, and they can't see their grandkids anymore. It is unreal. No tourists are allowed unless they quarantine for two weeks. No restaurants, no pubs. Nothing is open for months. Satan appears to be winning in Ireland. No masses. This is all so sad. So, Father, um, with you and Sister Margie down in, in Mexico, uh, I know you're, you're catching some of this, but it seems more and more and more this, this uh, a year later, a lot of this devastation, the shuttering of churches, uh, the lack of the denial of the sacraments um, bishops and priests still not opening up things a year later there's a certain sense of despair but we're not here to talk about that Father could you please tell the listeners right now why why it's important to have
1: hope during this time especially after Easter well look man I <clears throat> it, it depends on your perspective I'm in the trench with all these kids and the other night on Holy Thursday we had a a time of healing for the kids. And they went before the blessed sacrament and they spoke out their prayer intentions. And it was the typical prayer intentions. But this one group, the older kids came in and said, for my continued healing, for my continued healing. Some even dropped the big bombs about what they were healing from. I would say this, I think that hope is a relationship with God. And actually what I see is in the kids, no matter the trauma they went through, Once they establish that hope, they, um, I mean, that relationship, they have hope. So, folks, I think you have to be relationally connected to Christ, not just superficially, but Christ is our hope. Christ is our hope. And in a poor country, that's really the theme, total dependence on God. So, so Father, you know, a thought just
0: struck me as you were talking about the girls um, and their hope even after the resurrection, when the apostles knew they hid away in the upper room, they went back to Galilee. Um, I don't know if it was a lack of hope or just fear, but that's what they did. So we're going to take this podcast up to Pentecost. So again, we go back to that oft forgotten theological virtue of hope during even what the disciples had after the resurrection. Um, Just just for guys, everyday guys and girls on the street, What do we really need to do to to, to build up this sense of, hey, things are bleak, they're dark, they're weird, there's this poisonous fog, but how do I maintain hope on an everyday basis in in this world today?
1: Well, candidly, Kevin, a lot has to do with the the spiritual life of the individual. And it also has to do with the outlook. I think that one of the ways that we get trapped in 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 the lack of hope is that we just get so caught up in our own self fear in our own fears and our own doubts and looking at all the limitations, there's no limitations. There's no limitations. You just have to figure out where the doors are open, where the windows are open to live your life. But, you know, that, that, that's a decision that people have to ask the grace of God for and not look at just all the impediments. It's just a choice. And that's what Father Al was about. You know, he wanted to inject hope into these kids' lives. When, when you don't have food and you don't have a situation that's healthy in your home, get them out of there and give them hope. So for me, part of my job as a spiritual father here is to keep giving the kids the hope, like the one-liners, like I'm really proud of you. It's entirely possible, and I know it's true, that many of the kids have never heard that bell ringer. I'm proud of you. You know, they come in and they share their story in whatever context, I'm proud of you. They don't know what to do with that. That's a spirit of hope. So I think, folks, your decision, and the reason why I'm going to continue the podcast is I want to keep reminding you that you got to get out of the weeds and you got to see the bigger vision. And the bigger vision is Christ wins. That's the hope. Christ wins. It's not an equal fight. Christ is the winner, and he's letting us choose each day to believe, to hope, and to love. Each day.
0: Perfect, Father. That's excellent. And you led beautifully to what Father Al said uh, in 1984. He said, the resurrection of Jesus fills our hearts with hope. We are not afraid of death. We're not afraid of COVID. We look at the world in the light of hope, and we see that it is a passing world. It is a little world. This world is nothing. We look above. And the heavens are wide open. In this light of hope, we see the risen Christ. Father, that's what you're saying. If you're if your eyes are looking up there, looking here, what's already inside, there's no darkness.
1: Well, true. And what I realized more profoundly than ever is all of the pain and all the suffering that the kids have gone through actually um, <clears throat> I don't look, I don't count the pain. I I just know that the the amount of pain is the wound through which Christ will serve his mercy through that child. So if a child has a gaping wound this size of pain then the mercy will flow through that great through that wound because it will be healed. The heal the wound doesn't seal it becomes a channel of grace.
0: Right so it's the woman with the seven demons that Jesus touched and all of a sudden when she's healed, the graces come in and she just magnified even more. Um, so, so Father, I, I think about Father Al, and when he was a seven, eight-year-old boy, he found great hope in the boy commandos. You know, these these were the comic book heroes. They they went into Naziville and Hitlerville, and they took down the big beast. They took down Hitler. So I think even back then, Father Al knew the greatest monsters can be taken down. If you have this pinhole of hope in Christ and I got to sort of do my part, you know, I got to do I got to step into it, but I step into it with Christ. So the hope is always there. And Father, I know we've spoken at this various times when you step in to a healing mass in Chalco or to a retreat with the sisters. When you step up, they see ah, we got hope. Here's here's a spiritual father and he's in the trench with us. He wants to lead us to Christ. I, I imagine in a certain sense, you, you, you represent Jesus and that hope that he brings.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, when I arrived here and, and, and it was me versus 3,400 girls and a hundred sisters, I was like, I gotta eat this elephant one bite at a time. I can give you an example. So I finished healing masses with all the girls. I've gone back a couple, once or twice with the older girls, but I just finished the rookies, the first year girls. And the other night uh, I had a mass. And at the end, after I pray over them, I bring them all up around the altar for a benediction, which is really very beautiful. I put the Eucharist away. We sing a song to our lady. So they're all sandwiched in on top of me in a way. They got their masks on, they've cried. And I say, so who would like to share? And, you know, they bring it some beautiful things, some about their family, some about a grandmother who died, some about the healing. And one of them opened up really powerfully. And she like, you know, she's doing the hand wringing. I'm like, oh no. And she goes, yeah, for the first time, I want to tell you that I was abused. Um, and then, you know, like it doesn't make any sense because she, she said she was single digit age. And then um, the next kid, so everybody starts crying, you know. And I'm like, oh, great. Here comes the tsunami of tears, right? And heads are nodding. So I'm like, oh, no. That one got hurt. And so then the next kid gets up and she goes, uh, como mi compañera, like my friend. And she was abused. Well, the sisters are crying. And I'm like, you know. So I wipe her nose and, you know, there's mucus coming out of every ear and eye and nose. And, you know, uh, you know in, a, in a moment, you know, you have to laugh because everybody's crying, but they're all looking. And I just said, look, your abuse and trauma doesn't burden Jesus and it doesn't burden the sisters and it doesn't burden me. It doesn't but it's time to heal. I said, how many of you wanna heal? And I said, no, no, pinky promise. And that was really funny. We all did a pinky promise. Let's heal. And it was really very beautiful. And then I had my hands and I said, here's the deal. In this hand, as a priest, you put your pain. In this hand, you put your chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) I said, give me your chocolate. I said, I know you still got Easter chocolate, give it to me. And they were giggling, laughing. I said, in this hand? And I told them, what? They said, mi dolor, in este mano, chocolate. I said, and vamonos sanar, let's heal. So that's hope, you know, I I can't eat the elephant, but I can help one kid at a time heal. I I don't know, I found that just, incredibly courageous that she dropped the bomb. And uh, little does she know, she's so much closer to healing than she knows, because she opened. Right? So
0: That's it, Father, thank you for sharing that beautiful story. Um, heartbreaking, but beautiful, because there's hope right in the middle of it. Uh, Father Al saw this all the time in beggars hospices on Smoky Mountain in the Philippines, he saw it in the shack. And he also saw that, Father, and what you're about to experience, you, you're about to take off for the viewer for Brazil, for Guatemala, for Honduras. So COVID's sort of loosening up. So Father's about to jet out to some places where he needs to enter into those enormous communities and bring that same hope. And Father, I want to I want to read this before we have to jet out here. And, and this might help you a little bit. I don't know. This I find this in this book that Father Al wrote to his spiritual director. Uh, his counselor, a Carmelite sister, very, very intimate relationship they cared In this whole book, this is the most moving quote. Father, he writes this right before he's diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. He says, Sister, lately in prayer, I look up and see rising before me a lofty mountain whose peak is lost in the clouds. Jesus is on the peak and he beckons me to climb. I feel that I am just beginning. The peak is so high and the mountain seems so fierce. It's so threatening and it frightens me. It speaks of tremendous sacrifice of suffering and of great pain. But I do want to climb this mountain and I want to reach the peak before I die because this is what Jesus wants of me. I will try. I will try to do my best. That's a man. That's a priest of hope
1: yeah i think that's what it doesn't say that he didn't fall it doesn't say that he didn't sweat it didn't say many things what it said was i'll keep the journey you know that was a mantra of father al i mean a lot of it was because he was working with kids but a lot of it was i'll try my best i'll try my best i'll try my best and that's a that's a phrase of the sisters we're trying our best and that just means it's in god's hands after that really it's it's beautiful you know like the kids are trying their best and the music comes out off they're trying their best and something happens fine it's no problem but you can stand before the lord with that offering of grace yeah
0: Yeah. amen father uh father thank you for your time thank you for letting sister margie butt in and steal the show for a little bit I, I still think <laughs> you're, you're not a second stringer in anyone's book father dude uh, i got called i got called as the reliever and i got shelled <laughs> and we we love Sister Margie. Speaking of Sister Margie, thank you, Sister Margie. Thanks you and Father Dan. Thanks you. You guys rose up after the Good Friday podcast a few days ago. All twelve sisters uh, have been sponsored. However, really, literally, there's 386 more sisters. So please, out of out of the goodness of your heart, um, there's 21,000 children that uh, that need your help, and and you can help them in profound ways. So again, I'll, I'll encourage you, please visit worldvillages.org and click the blue sponsor a link, and it will break everything down for you. It's a beautiful ministry. Uh, without said, Father, I'd like you to lead us out with a blessing, but is there anything else you want to share?
1: Yeah, just to say thanks, folks, for that program. I, you know, initiated up there and I'm grateful. And, um, you know, one thing I would say is, I think that folks are wondering about my day. I just want to let you know it's a day that's full of grace. And it's a day of of fighting the dragon. But at the end of the day, you know, when I go back to the chapel, you know, sometimes there's no energy or a little energy or whatever it may be. Don't misunderstand at the end of the day, there's a grace. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way because that's my vocation is to lay down my life as best as I can is, um, for the salvation of the kids and of course the sisters. Um, so in that respect, I couldn't be happier. And so I'm grateful to share the stories, man, because the voice of the poor, no one hears it's, it's muffled. And I think that people need to hear this when limitations with COVID are so are large in your perspective, and I'm sure they are, but let's not forget that the pain that's so many people are suffering now is still going on. Thank you, Father, you offer us great hope. Thank you very much. Yeah, let me Let me bless you guys, and may Almighty God bless you folks, protect you, give you peace, Holy Spirit come upon you folks, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you folks, see you next week.